All right, you are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And with me, Maggie the Mags. And today I have with me another podcast person, Christian. Hello. Hello, Christian. Good to have you here today. Good Again. to be here. Thank you. <laughs> if you remember last time, Christian was on before, and now he has returned for some reason. I don't know why, but... Neither do I. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so just before we get into today's topic, uh, just a reminder that the opinions that we hold here on uh, this podcast that you're listening to are just strictly our own opinions. Uh, you can disagree with us. You can agree with us, which would be the better choice. But just to let you know that you can disagree, like what we're saying is not necessarily the ultimate truth or our viewpoints are the only correct viewpoints. I just put that out there. So just in case, you know, you are, you disagree with something we say, but we're not trying to say that we hold the right opinion. This is just what we think on certain subjects. That's right. We're aiming for the bushes. We're aiming for the bushes. Exactly. And so uh, today's topic, we're talking about remakes. And reboots. And reboots. And specifically, we're talking about the 2016 Ghostbusters film. Do you remember that? That's a rhetorical question <laughs> to our to you, the listener. But remember that film? No. 2016 Ghostbusters. Did yeah. you see that film, Christian? I did see that film, directed by Paul Feig. Feig, yeah. however you pronounce that name. It's Feig. Yeah. Starring uh, Kristen Wiig, yeah. uh, Leslie Jones, Kate right. McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. I think those are the main stars. Yeah. yeah. And then, Maggie, did you see Ghostbusters? She didn't. She well, didn't. That's okay. It's good for her. Uh, yeah, you're not missing too too much there. So we're going to talk about that film. We're going to talk about remakes, what makes them, well, remakes and reboots, what makes them good, what makes them not good. Because mm -hmm. there have been remakes. That people have enjoyed. Or reboots that are good. Well, I guess reboots. Well, we'll talk about reboots a little bit later. But yes, there have been remakes that people have enjoyed. And so let's just get right into it. We're going to start off with 2016 Ghostbusters. This is something that's been like on my mind. I can since, tell. Since uh, it was announced probably yeah. in 2015. Yep. When the first trailers came out or the, the first announcements even. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that first trailer made waves because it's rare to find a trailer that almost unanimously is not well received. Yeah. I think it was one of the most disliked videos yeah on youtube i don't know if it still is i don't i don't think so i think it would have been surpassed maybe yeah. by like jake paul or yeah Logan there we go paul or something. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them no or one of the like youtube announcements or no it would have been from a youtube rewind oh right, right. Yeah, the YouTube yeah, yeah. Rewind. yeah a lot of people yeah. dislike that but when it came out it was known for like being massively massively disliked part of the issue was that i mean okay we're we know that it's remaking or rebooting whatever a very classic film, the original yep. Ghostbusters. But part of the initial flack, anyways, that got attention from this film was because it was Ghostbusters, but the cast was going to be all women. Mm -hmm. Right? So there was a lot of pushback online uh, of people being upset by the fact that it's Ghostbusters with women. Right? Now, for me, that concept on itself, I have no problem with. I like redoing ideas i like the idea of remixing so whether it's film or uh you know music or whatever but taking different ideas and swapping out things swapping out ideas changing things up another thing that comes up that has not actually uh, come to fruition is like a black james bond or something or a woman right. james bond right yeah. that's another thing that's been hinted at even the film that's coming up 
next James Bond film, little side tangent. Yeah. There's a black character, black female character. Yeah. Who has the code of James Bond 007. 007. Yeah. But still, Daniel Craig is still like James Bond. That's right. Even that, I saw some people complaining about that stuff, right? Yeah. But on principle, I don't mind something being like redone or characters being remixed or someone, if it's based on another property, whether it's a novel or something like that, or if right. it's redoing another film, I don't care really. It's not a principle yeah. thing for you. Yeah. yeah. Like you can redo a character as black or as white. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree that some people respond to this sort of like huge surge that we see in remakes and reboots as a sort of like is this symptomatic that hollywood is now creatively bankrupt or there's just so much money involved in making these movies mm. that they have to be attached to some kind of known ip with a dollar sign value attached to it or else it's not worth taking the risk um so yeah but i, w- I would probably with that same i'd probably yeah. agree with it just because yeah Movie budgets are huge. Massive. You know, you basically, if you're in a film studio, studio, especially a big one, if you're a minor one, maybe you'll take the chance with an unknown actor, unknown property. Well, there's going to be less money. There's going to be less money involved. Less risk. Yeah. In that sense, because there's less money. Exactly. Whereas if you're a big budget Hollywood studio or whatever, that's a bigger risk. That's right. If unknown property. if If you're going to pony up, you know, $200 $200 million dollars mm. and sometimes just the production budget like not not even taking into account any of the marketing that's involved the marketing costs of getting a film out there which is usually the double mm. of what the production budget is like disregarding that some some movies have like a $200 million production budget the Avengers the Infinity War and Endgame had an astronomical production budget that we can only estimate was in the like $500 million range oh my and you know we're talking about you know an, an amount of money that is insane and when you have to pony that up you can't from a studio's perspective you can't be like oh yeah totally this director that i that's sort of not really familiar with and this story that no one knows and these characters that no one cares about. Whereas if you can say, no, remember that movie that made a ton of money 30 years ago? Yeah. And that those kids now have their own kids and they will be able to like take them to the movie theaters and buy the toys or buy the video games. Let's market it for them and let's tap into that audience that it means something, that there's a nostalgic element to it. It was redone with women yeah. as the as the cast, and so that was the initial furor. I guess, yeah. Over it because, like I said, it was the most disliked uh, trailer yeah. or video on YouTube, and that seemed to be the initial angle. So, I think most of that rage was like manufactured as a marketing angle for what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier with like how big the budgets are, especially for like a known IP. Yeah. So I think that was a way to garner interest in this film. It was like, let's run with it. Let's politicize it. You know, because I, watching the film, like, there's nothing in it that there's really garners that reaction. Nothing at all. So. It's, it's, it's a movie that makes no statement whatsoever at all. Not yeah. even close. Yeah. So were some people upset? Probably. I think. A lot of people didn't like the trailer probably because it just wasn't a good trailer. It wasn't a good trailer. I think that's 100% fair. It was It was not a good trailer. Uh, I feel like Sony 
realized quickly that yeah. it was not a good trailer. Yeah. And and for multiple reasons. That trailer didn't seem to know what the movie was yeah. because it it describes the film, you know, like the opening some of the opening titles are 30 years ago, they saved New York or whatever, something like that. Yeah. So you're going, okay. This movie is a sequel. No, it's not a sequel. Not at all. And you're like, okay, well, well, then what's the tone? And then there's this very sort of minor key, Mm -hmm. slow down version of the theme theme song. These more, you know, toned down, saturation down, you know, clips of New York and stuff like that. And then you're going, okay, so this is going to be more grounded, I guess, like the original was that's cool but then it does like a hard cut to a colorful neon ghost and kristen wig being sprayed with ectoplasm yeah and it's like oh no it's gonna be wacky and kristen wig is gonna talk about all her cracks <laughs> and you're like okay great we're in for a real delight yeah and so that, most yeah. most people watch that trailer and they go what what is this they like, either go what or they go oh Melissa McCarthy like or McCartney is it McCarthy or McCartney McCarthy McCarthy thank you um, it's like oh she was hilarious in Bridesmaid it's, well and they so, both were funny so in Bridesmaids. was Kristen Wiig yeah. and I love Kate McKinnon from SNL or I love Lev- Leslie Jones from SNL yeah. and for good reason all four they're of those good. they're really talented well, yeah. comedians I think Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy have shown have had the opportunity to show their dramatic chops. Mm. You know, and that they're they're more than just two dimensional performers. They're more than just you know the the comedians that they've found success for. That they have a lot more depth. And so, and and then Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones are hilarious on SNL. They're wonderful on SNL. I'll take your word for it. I don't watch SNL. Okay, yeah, well that's fair. I like I the mean, classic SNL from like the nineties. Yeah, that's when they did like Celebrity Jeopardy and all that yeah. stuff, and like more cowbell and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But they're 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 wonderful. They're super good, and and so I don't think I, do, I, w- I didn't respond to the casting going like oh no why did they cast like it's I would have been more ticked off if they had gone like like Owen Wilson <laughs> and Zach Galifianakis are Ghostbusters. <laughs> you, you know, but you it, know I, I mean? would have the same reaction though. Like if they were if they were just remaking the film, I was kind of like it's probably gonna suck. That's my original thought because like they're doing yeah. another one right with Jason Reitman directing. That's right. Yeah. My reaction is like, eh, it's probably gonna suck. Yeah. Like most of the remakes, when they do them, I'm like, eh, it's probably not gonna be good. Yeah. And like going back to the trailer, like when I when I look at trailers, like I think I said this in a previous episode, like usually I just hate trailers mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's only like a couple of films where I like I really like the trailer where I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. What's an example of that? Uh, the Shining, the the original. You know, did I tell you this before? No. no? Okay. Not like it was like the unreleased trailer. Mm-hmm. They had one that was just kind of like that's well, typical '80s trailer, which is like completely different from trailers from today, where it kind of just makes it look like this mis- mystery film or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fine; it's serviceable trailer. But the one that they didn't use was just the elevator scene. Yeah. Right. It just opens up and the yeah, blood yeah, comes yeah. out, and it was just like The Shining. Yeah. And I was just like, that to me, that's an amazing trailer. Okay. That's the one for. There's a couple of other ones that Did are kind of like that. Do you have a more like recent that. example? Or? No. Okay, the first cool. thing off the top of my head is right, that. Fair. fair. Is that one? But there's there's a couple of other ones that just don't have them off the top of my head. Cool. 
but for the most part, like the movie could, I could end up liking the movie. The movie could be good, but usually when I see the trailer, I'm just kind of like, this looks dumb. <laughs> More often than <laughs> even not, though I like when I go to the theater, I like seeing the trailers. Yeah, but usually yeah. I'm just like, this looks dumb. But oh, then I'll like the film. So. I, I I often find that if I like the trailer, the movie's gonna be bad, and yeah. if I don't like the trailer, it means the movie's gonna be good. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of the times, by bad, I mean, oh, cool, I've just seen the trailer, I've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. They've packed that trailer with all the best parts <laughs> in the movie, and then the rest is going to be filler. Yeah. You know? Whereas sometimes when I watch a trailer and I go, I have no idea what that movie's about, I don't think it's for me, normally, uh, you know, usually I'll wind up seeing that movie and really enjoy it. Yeah. So trailers are hidden myths. So you, yes. generally, I don't judge the movie based on the trailer itself specifically. Like I said, I just tend to not like it either way. Yeah. Uh, my my preconceived notions of the film, I'm usually kind of like, nah, that's that's gonna be dumb. But then the film could be dumb or could be good. It yeah. could be dumb and good. Like that's absolutely. There's the nothing wrong. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the whole spectrum. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, of of a film. But I think for this film, it was like very polarizing. And I think part of it was like Sony's marketing angle was like, okay, let's run with it. And then I think part of it... To clarify that, yes, clarify what yes, we're talking about yes. there, it's really th this idea that's been talked about a lot. Um, and it seems to make a lot of sense considering how things panned out, which was when you're a studio and you're in the hole for a lot of money on mm -hmm. this movie, because this movie had reshoots, it had a lot of problems, and then you see the cut and then you go, wow, this is a pile of garbage. No one's going to want to see this. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you sell it? How do you market a bad Ghostbusters movie? Mm -hmm. you, if they were given uh, 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 an excuse to politicize it, which is a bunch of trolls, women-hating men don't want you to go see this movie, so go see this movie if you're not a misogynist, mm. right? And if you don't go see this movie, that's because you hate women. And... That was pretty... I think that movie ended up making more money than it would have normally from that angle. Because it that was... it. The campaign around it was a huge statement. And you had the stars that yeah. were on camera saying things like, you know, those people should just, like, get out of their mom's basements mm -hmm. or, you know, all the usual kind of, you know, cliches that we have about, like, you know, troglodytic nerds who are, you know... It, or what we now refer to as incels, I guess. Maybe. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so like jumping on that bandwagon, where, and then you watch the movie and you realize this is not in any way a feminist piece or a piece that even remotely sort of feeds into any kind of discussions on like, it's not even about female Ghostbusters at all. Mm -hmm. Not in any way. They just happen to be female comedians. Because I would, I would venture to say that neither of these actresses are actually playing characters. Yeah. Those are, they're so two-dimensional in that movie. For sure. um, they're, a lot of the times, they're the sort of mild to watered-down, aimless versions of the original characters in the Ghostbusters movie where you can draw pretty clear parallels between... Who's supposed to be who? Yeah. yeah. But just not as effective, not as tailored, not as strong... So it's very strange. Like, it was such a strange way to market that movie, but at the same time, it was effective, I guess. It was effective. Just going back there, because you had you did have people who were upset that of the concept. You do have people who outright rejected the concept yeah. altogether. So we're not saying that everything was manufactured, just in case no. there's any confusion. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. About I mean, that? It's just, but we do, we were discussing about this previously, yeah. and there's we, there is a sense almost that, 
Sony saw an opportunity to give a really large microphone to mm-hmm. a small minority yeah. of people. Yeah. So some of the outrage or that people expressed yeah. definitely like is real. It's not we're not saying that it was all oh, no, fake or anything like, like that. Everybody knows that trolls exist. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. And I but I think I think a portion of the outrage, because I know what turned me off about the movie is why the hell would you remake Ghostbusters? Like you remake Ghostbusters to make money, yeah. but otherwise that movie was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, we you saw that you couldn't make a decent sequel out yeah. of it because they tried. Yeah, those Ghostbusters that, too. That first one is almost uh, you know in many structural aspects and many comedic aspects is as perfect as you can get yeah. in terms of putting a movie together. It's it's ex- it's exceptional. It's like saying, hey, we're gonna remake E. T. Why would you touch E. T. Why would you go even near E.T.? It doesn't need to be remade. It's a great movie. It's still a great movie, right? Yeah. And I think part of the outrage was that. Part of the, and also, the betting big that you're going to be able to sustain a cinematic universe. Yeah, that's true. Right? Because you forget that. But Sony put money into Ghost Core. And Ghost Core, that line, that, um, that promotional image shows up at the beginning of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. And there was like room made at the Sony lot okay. for Ghost Core Studios. And they wanted to branch off and make standalones so they had big plans. and spinoffs. Yeah, they wanted to do what Marvel was doing, but with Ghostbusters for some reason. I don't think that would work. Neither do I. But yeah. So, so there's definitely incentive for them to like latch onto an angle, given the investment that they're putting in. If they're going to build like a larger cinematic universe Absolutely. around Ghostbusters, because yeah, that was popular at the time. Everyone was trying to do a cinematic universe. Yeah, as well. You had like DC, you had Universal. <sighs> yeah, with their dark, you had yeah. the Mummy, which I did not see. No, and 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 every single one of them crashed and burned. Yeah, because. It's a complicated process to do. It's slow. It takes time. Yeah. Mar- it worked for Marvel because they took their time with it. They laid it out. It took they, several years. They took their time with it. They they petered it out, as you said. And most importantly, they learned to... Because you, you watch... The, the first Iron Man movie was a huge hit. And they leveraged at least two or three of the following movies off of the success of Iron Man. Mm. This Captain America, the first Avenger, okay. the first Thor movie, those are not... I enjoyed the first stu- Thor movie. I did not. Oh, see, so see I didn't like Captain America. I fell asleep okay. watching that. I, I watched the first Thor movie going, when's the main character going to show up? Like this guy's just a jock <laughs> who has a contentious relationship with his dad. Who gets kicked out of the kingdom, and then you're like, okay, he's a decent guy. Well, it's a fish out of water. That's why I enjoyed it. He's a fish out of the water movie for like half an hour. <laughs> I was fine with that. <laughs> I accepted that premise. I think you're a secret Chris Hemsworth fan. I like Chris Hemsworth. He's yeah. a funny guy, man. He is a oh funny guy. Yeah. He's good. He's like, going back to Ghost, but he's the strongest part, at least for me, at okay. least in terms of recollection of that film. Yeah. He's the most memorable, memorable part of of that film so just kind of like getting back to like uh the ghostbusters film itself in 2016 like so there was all this outrage as we have discussed about it uh people who were outraged on the internet complaining about it people who were in like the news media space reporting on it people giving their hot takes as to like justifying why this is a acceptable movie to make and all that stuff and then you watch the film and i'm like this is not a good film to like 
die on here. No, this is right? not the. This like, is not, don't don't build it up. No, this is for, not the movie that. that you put on a pedestal. <laughs> no, this is a corporate <laughs> it's product. Careful, because it just doesn't stand up. So we're gonna like I guess transition into like talking like broader about the film. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. No. No. no okay. No. Cool. We will go broader in just a second. Not yet. Just okay. not yet. Yeah. Talking about the actual film as to like why like it doesn't work, mm-hmm. and part of it is that there's nothing memorable about the film. That's a big flaw. You, you know, you want, like, part of what works, why the original Ghostbusters film still stands today, that even lets you ask the question, why remake Ghostbusters? Yeah. is because it's so strong, it's so memorable, it has its moments that just stay with you. Brilliance. Right? Just so many, like, little lines, like, we were ta- discussing some things before we started recording, but one of the other things that I really like from the film that sticks with me that I think about sometimes is, like, when they're going up in the elevator and they're turning on the proton packs for the first time, right? Yeah. They're kind of like, Egon br- kind of briefly goes over, like, this is like basically a nuclear reactor on yeah, your and, on your back, and, and we've never tested it. We haven't even, like, turned yeah, it on and, for and anyone. An unlicensed nuclear <laughs> accelerator on our backs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And they turn it on, and you hear it, like, whirring up, and they just start slowly backing away <laughs> in this, like, <laughs> elevator. They have, like, nowhere else to go. Right, that's something that's like memorable that sticks with you. Absolutely, no, and over time, and all three of these characters were characters that you could identify with. Mm. These were all like they were they were blue collar, they were working class, they were kind of schlubby, you know. They weren't super polished or pristine or good looking people, you know. And it was the movie is the movie is about these guys who start up a business to hunt ghosts. Yeah, well, know? they're seen as jokes. Yeah, definitely, because like even though they start out. As like university professors doing research, mm-hmm. right? But they're not taken seriously. That's why they're like thrown out once no. they lose their funding. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's it's. I mean, it's pretty clear that Pete Pete Bankman is essentially a con man. Yeah. He's only there to womanize. Exactly. Right. Um, and then it's Egon and Ray Stance, played by the incredible uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. um, who have a genuine interest in the paranormal well, egon yeah they both do yeah. egon is like the serious scientist yeah and ray is just like a kid <laughs> yeah yeah he has that kind of naive excitement yeah but then what's even great what's uh, it's it's wonderful because you in that first movie every every one of those characters everyone has a very clear arc mm. they all develop and when you see Ray at the beginning, who's being kind of pushed around, who has three mortgages on the property that he inherited, yeah. and then you see him at the end where he's smoking, he's got crap on his on his um, on his overalls, and uh, and he's just like, "Man, I'm tired," or "I don't look good." And then Pete Beckman goes like, "Yeah, you didn't used to look like this," <laughs> you know. And they're much more matter of fact, and they're kind of like almost badass in the in in just how uh, down to earth it all is. You yeah. know, when you're like they're exterminators, but for ghosts, it's almost yeah. how it's treated. And they kind of like are taken seriously at the end, yeah. right? They save the city, they save the day, right? They have yeah. the moment like where everyone is like cheering them on and all that stuff. They're walking through the street. That's why the second one going into like how difficult it is to re- recreate the success of that film is like the second one starts off with them at the bottom again yeah, again yeah and you're kind and of like why what? yeah why would that happen how could how could you go no ghosts don't exist and you're like dude like did you see the first movie like i don't understand <laughs> and they're reduced to like playing like children's parties children's stuff, parties right? that's right yeah like how do we go from there to there right so when yeah. you're gonna do like a remake like you, the same 
problem that you're posed with is like, how do we, where do we go from the first one? No, it, it, exactly. And how other than retelling the story beat for beat? No, and good luck, good luck trying to make a movie when everything you do. Because there, let's be clear, this wasn't really a reboot. This was much more in the lines of a remake. They're following the structure, except doing it worse of the first one. Like we said before, a lot of the characters are, you know... They're one-note paper yeah, thin. That's right. But they're clearly drawn from the same dynamic as the, as the first uh, film, as the original film. But everything that you do in that movie is going to be compared to the original. Of course. Oh, who the hell wants to jump on that ship? Who wants to be like, I'm going to be compared to a near-perfect movie that did the impossible, which was combine comedy, horror, and science fiction mm. all in one, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis. Oh, and uh, um, uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. You know, and you're like, Hudson. you're like... How do, how do you pull that off? How do you make that happen? Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh my god. No, and then and 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 of course, like the lore of Ghostbusters, because of course, uh, some people may not know this, but the actual term Ghostbuster was actually invented by Dan Aykroyd's dad. Oh really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. So Dan Aykroyd believes in all this shit. Uh, yeah, he's he's quite he's, a character. Yeah, he's intense. <laughs> um, he, aliens, ghosts, it's all. It's all, all real. It's all him. science. Yeah. And so, and his dad was was really into that as well. Yeah. And he coined the term Ghostbuster in one of his publications. Okay. And so Dan Aykroyd, a lot of the nitty gritty lore and um, you know like all the references to you know Tobin's Spirit Guide and all those different books and all those different all that nomenclature and vernacular yeah. that they used that was pure Dan Aykroyd, you okay. know, who's a who's a giant nerd who's such a huge nerd it hurts. And then Harold Ramis with this beautiful, almost um, mathematical joke structure and writing. Like the way that he wrote comedy in that movie was incredible. Because they co-wrote the script yeah, yeah, with Ivan Reitman. Yeah. So there's a lot of deadpan, I know, from especially... Well, you know, I know Bill Murray's known for his like deadpan, but also... Deadpan, sarcastic. Uh, Egon's character is like yes. very... De- he's like very serious, though. Very dry. Yeah. Deadpan, like... <laughs> that's what makes it funny. Exactly. Because it's, they're not trying to be funny. That's no. why the other film doesn't work. The 2016 Ghostbusters doesn't work. They're desperately trying be- to be funny. They're trying to be funny, but they're also trying... There's no subtlety as well, right? Like, it's just them improving. Exactly. They, so there's they, no structure. There, there's no structure. But even if you look in a, in a scene, like there's no structure. So they just go on. Like, That's right. It's just them talking for like ten minutes uh, about nothing or oh, whatever it is they're trying to like joke about, like the wonton soup. I guess because I've heard criticism about that, right? And they go on about the because Melissa McCarthy's character orders wonton soup from the restaurant. That's right. That's underneath them. Yeah. Of their where their office is, and then they have like a ten minute. That's not actually ten minutes. I'm no, exaggerating it, a little it, bit, but, no, but it feels like 10 minutes. But because the thing is, that joke is brought up three times. Oh, is it? Movie. It's called back? Yeah. Because if it's funny the first time, which it wasn't, it's going to be funny again. That's right. No, and that was the tricky thing about that joke. <laughs> that joke doesn't make sense just on the face of it because you're going, okay, the first time you see it, you go, okay, so this Chinese food is bad? Is that what's <laughs> funny? Or it's like, oh, it's they're... We're going to order ex- from it. Yeah, They're exploitative for like, okay, she likes her wontons. But then the other thing is, is it... Are they not giving her the wontons because she's fat? Or, like, is that the joke? Or, like, what, yeah. what's the joke here? Yeah. Why is it funny that, oh, my soup 
doesn't have wontons. But there's like no nothing related to personality though. No. And towards it, I could even make it work. No, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Right. They just they just keep calling it back. Yeah. Thinking, oh, it was, it's, don't worry, it makes sense. And you're going, it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of. There's so many uh, moments of that in that movie, and in that same scene, the first scene with the wonton is when they're still at the university and um, Melissa McCarthy's character and um, Kate McKinnon's character are in that like their basement laboratory. And that's when we first see them. Yeah. And Melissa McCarthy is wearing what appears to be a like a child's Halloween costume. Like it's a helmet with a whole bunch of gizmos and circuitry oh, screwed yeah, yeah, to yeah. it. And it's basically, it's, oh, Melissa McCarthy is goofy. Let's put a goofy helmet on her. And it's just funny because it's a goofy looking thing. That's the joke. Because that device does nothing. That device is never even acknowledged. She's just wearing this goofy helmet. She takes it off and puts it aside. And you're going, why was I watching Melissa McCarthy wonton's goofy helmet for, for five minutes, and then she takes it off. What? What? Because it looks weird. Because right? it, oh, it's no. People will laugh. She's wearing a funny hat, and then yeah. five minutes later, yeah, they they have Kristen Wiig's character listen to like, oh, we captured a, a, a EDT or or whatever on on tape. You should listen to it, and it's a queef joke. <laughs> and yeah. you're going, what? And now queef jokes can be funny, but what? this not. is a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Like I don't understand. What? Oh, it's like no, they're they're it's a it's female comedy. Is that what it is? Like, what's I don't understand. Why is this here? Yeah. Why am I? And then and then and, and then they get kicked out of the university, and you get this extended scene with the dean. Yeah. Of the university, it's like more talking. It's just more talking, and then a weird comedy bit with him flipping them the bird in a myriad ways. <laughs> it goes on for like 10 minutes though. And you're going, is it, was this guy like, was this his act? Like, was this his comedy act? Like, I, we don't know like the relation other no. than like, he's like a superior to them, but we don't know why. So it's just kind of like, it would be funny if you flip them off for 10 minutes. Yeah. But there's no build up to it. None whatsoever. Right? We don't know why. So we're like, we're like, well, what? We're, we're 20 minutes this? into the yeah. movie, 15 minutes into the movie. And we have not established what the stakes are for any of these characters, who they are, yeah. what they value, what yeah. they think is important. Like, we know nothing. All we know is, like, Kristen Wiig is awkward. Yeah. She's awkward and she's a nerd. And then Melissa McCarthy is a person. And Kate McKinnon is... She's, she's go- weird goofy stuff. and she m- makes funny faces. Yeah. She's she's very dedicated. Because she she says stuff with, like conviction like her character but like it's just all like nonsense that just like it's it just goes a total on. nonsense and like kate mckinnon is a brilliant comedic yeah, actress she's funny yeah and there's uh, she obviously ha- is is incredibly talented yeah. why would you just have her mug to the camera for, and be sort of quasi predatory yeah whenever she's with whenever she sees Kristen wick and you're going what but that's such a wasted reason i don't know like, why what's happening right now you know it's yeah. you, you go through that whole movie thinking, what's happening right now? Why is this happening? Why did we, or, you know, um, just the opening of the movie, the opening to the original Ghostbusters is a, is a perfect inciting incident. Yeah. It's the New York Public Library setting. Cool. Everybody knows the New York Public Library. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, it's a fucking library. You get it. 
Yeah. So there's a little librarian in the stacks in the basement. Spooky stuff is happening. It is played straight. Yep. It is scary. There's a a, a very minute theremin uh, score playing just to sh- show you that you know there's something supernatural going on. Yeah. And the it's not the color isn't hypersaturated. The uh the there's nothing that's played for laughs. And then you don't even see the ghost. Right. It's just a scream. And then you're going, okay, I've got the tone. Mm-hmm. I've got the, this is a definitely going to be a New York City story. And then that's it. No time is wasted. Then we meet our Ghostbusters. In the 2016 reboot, we linger. It goes on and eight on minutes, and on. Uh, explaining the story of this haunted uh, house. F- yeah, of this fictitious mansion. Yeah. And you get more improv, more ad libbing. And you get the backstory of this r- rich heiress who is, I don't know, she's a ghost now yeah. for some reason. You get the introduction of the ghost device. Okay. And then you're like, well, why did I hear all about this mansion? Why did I hear all about this character? Is this going to come back later? No, of course not. Why would why would we set up things to pay off later? That's not how stories work, right? No. Like, no, that's exact. What are you talking? What's happening right now? Yeah. And then there's an extended, uh, like, uh, he pooped himself <laughs> joke where the guy's played by Zach Woods. He has. Is that his, Gabe? Gabe from The Office. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. He has his experience with the ghost. Oh, yeah. I remember that. They're going and he talked about how many how times he, he, like, shoot himself. And, and then you're like. like <laughs> Like, this it's the funny because we said he pooped, pooped himself. Yeah, he soiled himself. Because that's funny. That's funny. When you shit yourself. Yeah. Remember all the poop jokes in the Ghostbusters, the first <laughs> Ghostbusters movie? When no. they shit themselves, yes. Repeatedly, and we kept calling and back to it. And we kept calling it. back to it. Remember that? Remember how funny? <laughs> no, I don't because that didn't happen. That's funny, though. That's super funny. That's funny when you shit yourself. <laughs> And then you recall how many times in like a five minute span of yeah. shooting yourself. In. And we're being we're being a little glib and sarcastic here right now. But the, the part of the frustrating element here is you have really talented. Comedians. It's just because it's not good storytelling. There's it's lack of direction. Comedy. Yeah, not good comedy. Like you, there's a time and place for those kind that kind of humor. I guess yeah. if you can call it that. But it just doesn't work. And in this instance, that's though. right. Absolutely not. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in the scenes that yeah. they're trying to. That it doesn't they're trying service to make. the characters no. to elicit a laugh, though, because you don't need much to make someone it's, laugh. It's all. Right? It's all surface. Yeah. It's all like, oh, fart joke, queef joke, poop joke, boobery. Like, oh, she's gonna fall down on her butt because she's fat. It's like low level <laughs> stuff, and that's not. I'm not knocking lowbrow. I like. I love lowbrow shit. Like. I love the Three Stooges. Like that's yeah. fine. Like it doesn't have to be particularly witty or quippy or anything like that to be enjoyable. No, it just has to be funny. <laughs> no, but w- no, and it just has right? to be funny. And also, this scene is supposedly yeah. trying to set up a credible threat, credible characters, and yeah, try- for like emotional investment yeah, into or, or just our story. Any kind of investment, investment yeah. right? Yeah. Where you're an audience member and you're going, you're thinking, oh man, like. I don't I don't know where this is heading, but I'm excited to find out. Yeah. You know? Like not at all. You're just going, okay, so the next scene is gonna be more of the same. Yeah, because it just kind of goes on and on. The only memorable part for me, like I said, was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Character, just because he was so out there, but <laughs> some of the bits that he did though, like still stick with me. Yep. So I'll like think about that. But other than him and his performance, everything else like 
Yeah, you said it was forgettable. I, think I that's don't fair. remember. Yeah, it's forgettable. Like, I enjoyed it while watching. Like, it's a good popcorn flick. Like, if you just want to turn off your brain and not, you know, think about anything, yeah, I you, think you can let loose and enjoy it, for sure. No, if you're stuck on a bus yeah. for six hours. You don't have anything to do? Pop in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Because you're just like, it's going to be, you know. Unless you're a fan. If, you're, if you really enjoyed the first one and it was your favorite movie growing up, and then you watch this movie that's sort of like you're not quite sure how it's even related to this thing that you loved in the past. Yeah. And it's that can be frustrating. But otherwise, it's like, oh, it's goofy. Yeah. There's a queef joke. You know, so it's fine. Whatever. Like the original obviously is like much better. That's why like I, when people get angry about it, like I don't really understand because you can still watch the original like you don't exactly. have to watch this or you can watch it and be like well that was dumb i'll just exactly stick to the original and oh no and it's a movie like, yeah that's a film too, i think yeah. I th- that's i don't like it when and this is not exactly on topic but sure. i don't like it when big budget blockbuster type movies mm-hmm. who, which are in point of fact corporate products mm. that is all they are they're not Art. There's artistry involved mm-hmm. in making those movies. Mm. There are talented artists, there are talented technicians, and there's a shit ton of hard work that goes into making those movies, 100%. But a lot of big budget studio movies are made by committee. There's a ton of money that's being pumped in, mm-hmm. and what they want is the most amount of butts and seats. That is it. That is what motivates every decision whether that's product placement casting or just like general tone and and script structure mm. it's everywhere mm. so i do not like when these movies are put on a pedestal or um aligned with some sort of political agenda because it makes no sense when if you think that disney made captain marvel or that dc Warner Brothers yeah. made Wonder Woman yeah. to empower women. You're wrong. Those movies c- can have elements absolutely that are that are within that vein that can be inspired. You can draw from it. That you can draw yeah. from it. But that was n- that's not why they were made. Those characters, no. those stories, should not be being put on a pedestal like that because it's inappropriate. There are other better movies with better female characters directed by f- female directors acted or just just good directors right never yeah. mind um that are much better examples yeah. of that yeah. those are movies those are works of art because they weren't made where the sole purpose was i i have invested or m- me and my you know enclave of rich white men yeah. in hollywood yeah. have invested 500 million dollars in this movie and we want our money back. Yeah. They were made for other re- reasons. They were made to tell other stories. Because they don't give a shit. They, if, you think, if you think that the execs at Disney give a shit about any of that stuff, you're 100%. That's not true. Absolutely not. No, definitely. That's a, that's They'll a, say that because that they like... great publicity. Yeah. Sounds good. That's right. All right. But yeah, that, and, no, definitely. And so that that the Ghostbusters movie is 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 almost ridiculous that it was politicized in that kind of way. All those movies is ridiculous. 
So that's why I think you're 100% right. If you like the original Ghostbusters movie, watch the original Ghostbusters movie. It's still there, and it's still as good. Still good? No. If you want to be frustrated that, oh, my God, they spent how much money on this movie? Mm. Are you serious? That's a whole different <laughs> conversation, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, remakes and reboots, if you want to go broad now. Yeah, we're going to go broad just, yeah. just right before we do. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. The other thing... That was not actually in the film that w- could have been interesting was that dance number that they didn't do that just played during the uh, ending credits. Yeah. Because, like, if you've seen the film, like, there's a part where, like, all the police officers or whatever, freeze. they're just freezing. They're just stuck like that until, like, the end of the film. Yeah. Until they unfreeze. And then during the credits, you see there was this big dance sequence that they cut out of the film. And I just thought, well, I would have liked to have seen that. In the film, well, I mean, they would have to change like other things, but I think if they had incorporated that, because that could be a way to make the film stand out, stand apart mm-hmm. from the original. Because I think one of the ways when, because now we're going to talk about just kind of like remakes in general, because like one of the questions obviously that's going to, we're going to ask is, well, what makes a good remake? What doesn't make a good remake? So yeah. in this case, we're saying that this film of Ghostbusters 2016 was not a particularly good remake or reboot, however you want to frame it as. Or good luck. I mean, or good luck trying to make a good remake of yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's definitely luck. a challenge. Yeah. So one of the ways that you can, I think, make a, a good film is like, same goes if you're uh, covering a song or something like that, is like doing it kind of like in a different style or acting like adding a different element mm. to it. So I think something like that dance sequence that could have been something that stands out that would have been like oh, okay this is different mm-hmm. like it's not trying to redo because you can't redo the original no as we said it's lightning a ball but you could do something different yeah that where you could appreciate it in a different way and be like okay it's not exactly like the original but this did something different that i yeah. like that sticks with me in yeah. a different way so or, you could approach it in that way or you do um you take elements of the original film that weren't explored yeah. So you know, elements that were just like that were dropped in there that were interesting, but just for the sake of time and narrative, weren't explored. Yeah. And then you go, hey, remember that? I thought that was a cool idea, and I think it's especially relevant now. Let's take. So we're it gonna on. like re- kind of reframe. That's right. The direction of the film, how it goes, and yeah, exactly. So you make it like your own. You're not trying to like redo it, retell the same story, exactly, or recreate the same story because it's not gonna work. Generally speaking, you like. It could it, work, but it's a million on one shot, probably. I guess, yeah. I mean, I can't think of one that worked. It's very, like, I don't have anything off the top of my head Me where neither, I can yeah. say, like, this was, like, you know, what you could say is, like, the apex of a certain genre film, or if you want to go as far as saying the apex of film in general, and then redo that, very difficult. One thing that comes up now that we're talking in the more broader sense of remakes is, like, Psycho, right? Yes. Uh Gus Van Sant's shot Sands. for shot remake. Right. And he said, uh, it's not a direct quote, but he said basically, like, if I don't do a remake, somebody has to. So it might as well be me. That was his <laughs> that was a justification <laughs> for doing That's like saying cause, cause that, that's like saying someone's gonna have diarrhea. <laughs> so it might as well be me. That if I remember correctly, I remember reading that. Basically he said that so it's gonna get remade, I might as well just remake it. Okay. And then he kept it the same pretty much, except Frank, some, there's some minor changes. Yeah, well, yeah, to it. and the minor changes the more were explicit. stupid. Yeah, with like having Vince Vaughn Jerk masturbate. Yeah. yeah, you're like, why would you do that? Because no. it was Im- something that was implied in the first one, That's which right. I didn't pick up. Well, I was young when I watched. No, but Psycho, it's, it's, but it's subtle enough. Not necessary. It's I mean, necessary. he's spying on her. Like in the is she in the bathroom? 
No, just she's just room? in her room. Okay, in her room. Yeah. yeah, it's something that you already know is yes. like unsettling, creepy. creepy. Yeah. Like you don't really need. It doesn't add anything no. to it. I would say it's not justified. That's right. In that sense. But yeah, so that's like one of them where it's like psychos seen as kind of like. Master no, thriller horror film. Frank Miller said something very yeah. different, uh, very similar when he directed The Spirit. Okay. I didn't see that, but I know so, yeah, of it. So Frank Miller, basically, Robert Rodriguez adapted Sin City yeah. into a feature film. And he was gracious enough to give Frank Miller a co-director credit yeah. on that movie. Because he thought he was lifting those images right off of the page to make a really faithful adaptation and he said it would be artistic it wouldn't it wouldn't be i wouldn't it, it would it, there would be no integrity if i didn't give this guy um a co-director credit and so frank miller had that in his pocket and decided to adapt into a movie will eisner's the spirit yep. and his thinking was someone's gonna adapt will eisner's the spirit and if anyone's gonna do it it might as well be me because i actually knew the guy yeah and the spirit was a terrible movie. It was awful. Like it was, it was universally I've kind of blah. Yeah. Well, it's not. That's exactly right. Not a lot of people saw it, and those that did went, "Oh, okay." Okay. It was like Diet Sin City. Diet Sin City. Okay. Yeah. Anywho. So. Uh. Yeah. So remakes. So we do have like good remakes. We were talking earlier. Yeah. Stuff from the fifties that got remade in the eighties. Yeah. So you have like the Fly. Yeah. Uh, the blob, the blob, the thing, the thing, which I love. The thing, the other two films I haven't seen completely. I've seen like scenes of, right? The remakes, yeah, and some of the original. The thing, like, it's just great because I think it's like completely different mm-hmm. from the original. It explores an idea like what we were talking yeah. about before. It explores an idea of kind of like the unknown. Obviously, it had better practical effects on it compared to like the. The original. The original. Yeah, yeah the, the original, by the way, if you look it up, the original is called The Thing from Outer Space. And it was based on a short story called... Was it Who Goes There? Who Goes There. Yeah. That's right. Um, and John Carpenter, I think he actually references that movie, The Thing from Outer Space, in a previous movie that he did. Yeah, it's like someone's it's, watching it's it or screen. something. It's on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, obviously, this is a movie that he'd seen as a kid. And if you see the original, the the thing from Outer Space, you can't make comparisons between his movie and that movie. You just, you know, they're they're a remake in name only, almost. Yeah. You know, the source material is vaguely the same, which is extraterrestrials. And in that case, I think it was in the Arctic, the original, and he sets it in the Antarctic. But the thing is the same, which is there's an alien there and it's dangerous and it's killing people, basically. Mm. Um, but of course, John Carpenter pushes that notion up to 11 and introduces all kinds of uh, exhilarating story mechanics. You know, like they could look like anybody, it can mimic anybody. And I, by the way, fun, I, I think you get the, the best dog acting ever is in the thing. Because there's a dog in that movie that's acting like it's not a dog around other dogs. Yeah. That's impressive. It's crazy. It's a good film. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's it. Point final. No. 
it's in because it does so much though with like its effects because like yes it can look like anything they could have left it at that right yeah you don't have to have any of the other special effects but when it transforms Ugh. because it has no shape that's right that's why it's called the thing because yeah. it has no it's not humanoid no you it's can't not, describe it you know so it's it's very inventive very imaginative takes it from a different place like from the original, and you say the same thing with like the fly, right? Because I, I haven't seen the original fly, but I've seen clips of it. You've probably okay. seen clips of it. Yeah. And uh, whoever's listening, you've probably seen clips of it. Yeah. It's very like schlocky, like B movie kind of thing. It's like a person with a fly head, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like you only see <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 goofy, and it was. It was really all these horror films in general. So science fiction films that have horror elements in general are always going to be a reflection of what the current, what current society's fears are yeah. towards technology and towards science in general. Yeah. And so, you know, the the thing from outer space, to a lesser extent, but certainly with the fly, which is. We mess with things to a point where no matter what our intentions are, it's always going to veer into something creepy and awful and terrible. Uh, that film starred Vincent Price. It was set in French Canada, which is pretty cool. And this, there were sequels, too, that were also set in this part of the world, which is fun for us because we, we live in Montreal. Um, but, you know, when you look at sort of where those, how, when those movies were adapted and most people who were alive when most people who went out to go see the thing or who went out to go see uh, the fly weren't like John Carpenter. They weren't like David Cronenberg. They hadn't seen the movie, yeah. the original movie. They yeah. had no idea that there was an original and they didn't care. They didn't have IMDb to look this stuff up. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't like an established no. property. It wasn't like a worldwide phenomenon. That's right. It didn't have an, didn't indel- have that, that indelible. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so it gave them, creative license to do that kind of stuff to reinvent to reimagine to to push the limits yeah. on it because if you go that movie has a really cool um sort of setup it has a really cool idea i don't think it was executed in the best way it could have been and i that's what i'm that's what i'm interested in yeah i'm interested in really taking this premise and making the making the most of it yeah. You know, and that's, I think you mentioned earlier, it's like covering a song. Well, wow. right? Because a lot of people, I think a good example and another Montreal artist, but Leonard Cohen. When you listen to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, yeah. I would say that like five people out of 10 go, it's okay. Yeah. It's an okay song. And then you listen to almost any cover of Hallelujah and you go, this is the best song ever written, you know? Yeah. And so there are, there are songs that benefit from having other artists come and interpret it. Yeah. Uh, of course, one hundred percent. That's what what stories. That's how stories survive. That's how storytelling evolves. Right? We're often, uh, more often than not, we're retelling the same stories. It's For just sure. that we're either adding our own insight, our own perspective, our own experiences, or we're adding our own imagination to it, our own creative flair yeah. to it. And when movies don't do that, when movies just try to do it for pure commercial reasons then i feel like they're always going to be bound to fail because two remakes that we discussed before which were you know were made in the 80s and then remade in the 2010s so we've got the robocop remake yep. we've got the total recall total remake recall, we've yeah. got red dawn red dawn point yeah. break the point break remake did they do they did yeah 
and so you watch those movies, and first of all, everybody remembers the original. Yeah. Everybody. Those, those were, were those were big popular movies that people loved because they were cool and they were fun or they were imaginative, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you remake them and you add nothing to it. All you do is commercialize it, make it more bland because you're investing so much more money into it and you don't want to piss off people. You don't want to drive people away. You want it to make it PG-13. Yeah. Like you want to make a RoboCop movie that's PG or PG-13. That's a hard R movie, yeah. you know? That had some real graphic violence. It had some some really adult content, real adult satire. And now you're just going to take all of that out and just figure that it's going to be better or it's going like, to... What? Because I think it's missing like bringing up something like robocop is that it had that violence and adult content but it wasn't just necessarily gratuitous no it wasn't having adult content or extreme violence for the sake of having those things right it was like what he would mention is satire mm-hmm. it was kind of like satirizing uh you know corporations only operating for profit governments yeah only operating for profit People like in society not like not caring because like Detroit's kind of like a That's right. slum town. Ap- apathetic, right? Yeah. yeah, everyone's like indifferent towards things. Yeah. Is it the second one where there's like a kid crime lord? Is that Robocop? Oh yeah, um, there was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not the first one, but I know what you mean. No, but isn't um, it like Robocop two or something? Yeah, ro- there was a third one. Yeah, man. there's a third one. Yeah. <laughs> but like one of them, I, I know it's not the original, but it's like a sequel. Yeah, that I don't was was the Robocop two done by Paul Verhoeven or no? Was it done someone by someone I think else? it was done by someone else. Okay, but I think it was that. I was watching a video They're about it. They're good movies, man. They're worth and, watching. And uh, it was like, yeah, there was like this drug kingpin who was like a kid, like yeah. a teenager, right? So, I mean, like, it's making obviously a commentary on society. Even, the, like I said, the original, like, indifference from society in general, from corporations, from the government, right? You have the ED... Was yeah, it ED one hundred and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, right, yeah, the which is ed, like the big yeah. robot that's yeah, yeah. kind of supposed to be like the next uh, technological breakthrough for like policing, right? Because Detroit has become like this lawless land, <laughs> almost like the old west, almost like the Detroit of today. Almost like the Detroit. Of, no, we're not going to shit on Detroit. No, um, sorry. No, no, that, that, that's all right. But it's just like in the setting of the film, you know. Yeah. Detroit has become like this. Yeah, Delta you know, City. Yeah. It's been renamed. It's been a long time since I've watched. Uh, yeah, Robocop. they referred to it that way. Anyway, it doesn't Delta. matter. Right? It doesn't yeah. So the city society is kind of like falling apart, right? So that you need like a strong arm of the law to you know get things back. Yeah, the in corporate, order. Corporate shill. Exactly. Strong arm of the law. Exactly. Yeah. And so they bring in the ED one hundred and nine to like this is going to be a next level of police enforcement technology, all that stuff. And they do a demonstration showing in a that boardroom in a boardroom because it's supposed to show like uh, you know if you don't have a weapon. If you have a weapon, it'll like ask you to surrender, and then if you don't have a weapon, like you're fine or whatever. Yeah. And it, there's an error. Yeah, that, there's a threat analysis <laughs> that goes wrong. Exactly, misread the situation to this board member who is like not doing anything. He's like giving up. He's like I give up or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. And the thing still says like if you don't like you know yeah, surrender yeah. <laughs> in five, <laughs> four. Yeah, and then he straight up murders. And then person. he gets brutally shot down. Yeah. by the fucking in front of everyone, and yeah. then the attitude, to, the reaction to that is kind of like, oh, there's a few bugs we got to work out. Yeah, you know? no, yeah, yeah. Or it's just like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like, oh man, we can't, we're not gonna make money off of this thing yet if it just shoots white people, <laughs> it just kills everyone. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, it's making a point there, whereas like, 
the I haven't seen the uh, the reboot or the remake. The reboot is of just, Robocop, it's just bland. That's if they if you take that out or if you you don't necessarily have to satirize the same points, but if you want to satirize something else in society, since you know we've changed in the last thirty years, yeah, I'm no, sure there's they, elements you could explore with the new RoboCop. Yeah, but no, you they, have to they, that's right. Explore and it exactly. No, in this case, they choose to downplay all of that, and instead, so they completely downplay the um, satire, and instead, they just put really weak commentary. Yeah, and that commentary is war is bad. Yeah. And, you know, us being in Afghanistan and Iraq is not a good thing. And Fox News is manipulative and is and is a corporate shill. That's not com- like to me, that's not that's not commentary. That's not satire. That's just like, yeah, OK, cool. So you've you've you're awake in real life and you're aware of what's happening around you. Yeah. So I think we'll end it there. Thank you. I think that was a good discussion. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was good times. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Remakes. You know, I'm sure you have your opinions. Yeah, and we drew new. Con- we we don't draw conclusions on this show. No, I we, mean we just kind of peter out. It's an unanswerable question. Yeah. like we can't really say like what makes a good thing, what doesn't make a good thing, what's worth remaking, what isn't like completely subjective so we don't have like a grand answer to give you that's the, uh, yeah at the end of the day it's subjective it's up to some, you some people really like the 2016 ghost and if you like it totally fine that's there's nothing wrong with that you know so like I, said, I like bad movies too yeah, i like movies bad that movies are, can yeah. be great like they don't have to be like quote-unquote good no to be enjoyable no no or to unironically enjoy them like i unironically enjoy a lot of movies that people pretty much universally says total shite yeah so it's completely up to you so as uh we say here like if you disagree with us go ahead completely fine because everyone's gonna have different opinions what we say about certain films or what would different topics we talked about today if you have a different viewpoint totally fine you can have that you could be wrong but it's your viewpoint so you know stick with it so with that, I've been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. With me is Christian for today and Maggie the Mags. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>